Welcome to Generation Digital Workforce, the podcast that's here to explore the role of robotic process automation and other digital technologies. Whether you're just getting started or you're looking for advanced strategies and tactics, if you're curious about where human and digital workers are coming together to transform the future of work, then this podcast is for you. All right, let's get into the show. Hello, everyone. I'm Brad Hairston with Blue Prism. Today on the Generation Digital Workforce, I am delighted to have as my guest two managing directors with the global advisory Alvarez and Marsal. First, Art Berrios, who is based in New York City, and Pete Cultis, who is based in Miami. Art and Pete are both in the technology services practice of A&M, and they have taken a leadership role in the area of digital transformation. I will be talking with them about the transformation imperative. Art and Pete, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having us, Brad. Thank you. So to start, why don't you guys tell, tell us a little bit about yourselves and uh, your firm, Alvarez and Marsal. Art, why don't you go first? Sure, Brad. Thank you. Um, A&M has been around for over 35 years. It was founded in 1983, and it really started out as a boutique restructuring and turnaround firm, and it became a tier one player in that space. Since then, uh, A&M has now really expanded into a multidisciplinary consulting firm. We have over 4,500 employees around the world. I would say what we're known for is the consulting firm that asks tough questions. We listen well, but then we dig in and we roll up our sleeves and we create value quickly. I've been with the firm for 11 years, and I lead our digital services within the U.S., and my name is Pete Coltus. I'm a managing director also in our tech services practice. And like Art, uh, I'm one of our digital transformation leaders uh, within the firm uh, within North America. So I spend a lot of time on the road working with our clients um, in the area of a digital transformation. Okay. Thanks for the intro there, guys. So we've titled this session, The Transformation Imperative. Why don't you define that for us, uh, if you will, Art? Yeah, you know, transformation is is one of those words that companies have been using in a lot of different contexts. I think most notably, it's been digital transformation, technology transformation. We've heard about cost transformation and, and even cultural transformation. But fundamentally, I think what companies want is to do things differently in order to achieve a better and more impactful outcome. And doing things differently is is hard for a, number, for a lot of companies and there's a couple of main reasons for that. One is, you know, people are afraid of change. Uh, we've all heard that, you know, but specifically, I think some folks have inflexible mindsets. They're comfortable with what they know. And frankly, they're afraid that they may not be able to make the transition to, you know, the future set of skills, the future paradigm or the new paradigm that change introduces. I think another reason why it's hard to do things differently is, Complex business processes that, that span departments are hard to change. Standard operating procedures, you got policies, you got reports, you got everything geared towards doing things a certain way. And then, of course, you got the issue that companies are often running with a lean organization. You know, many companies have been squeezing cost out for several years and they just don't have the capacity for both the operate and the change that needs to go on. And so they tend to prefer the operate piece because they got to keep the business going. And then change gets a few resources or really they're under-resourced and it becomes a lot slower and it takes a lot longer to make change. And then lastly, it's the politics and the control. I mean, obviously, in a typical corporate environment, the more people you have reporting to you, you know, the more, quote unquote, power you may have. 
And any sort of a, you know, change that might introduce either an automation or in some way impact the amount of people or headcount that report to you suddenly brings politics, you're threatening the control that people have, and those are the typical headwinds to really having true end-to-end process change. Mm, yeah, great points, Art. So how has the pandemic uh, changed the transformation landscape? Can you speak to that? Yeah, of course. I mean, the, the pandemic, I think, really made apparent which companies were ready and which weren't. I think Warren Buffett famously said that, you know, only when the tide goes out do you discover who's been swimming naked. <laughs> and the, yeah, and the reality is, you know, many companies have, have gone through a digital pivot recently. But, you know, let's not fool ourselves into thinking that successfully pivoting during, you know, the COVID-19 disruption means that you have successfully become a digital company. And naturally, there are some companies that, that may have regrets that they didn't accelerate their digital transformation earlier. And certainly most of those companies are now, you know, they're really focused on that because they don't want to get caught blindsided a second time. Um, you know, pivoting in a crisis usually also means that you're going to put in some short-term fixes uh, and you're going to put them in place, uh, but they're not necessarily sustainable fixes and they may not necessarily, you know, align with your broader transformation strategy. So you got to be aware of that as well. And I think lastly, you know, the disruption, unlike others, has been really pervasive in our society. It's impacted races, ages, geographies. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and even considering how long it might be around, which the jury's still out on that, it's really fundamentally changing how consumers and businesses intend to operate in the future. And and what that means is it's going to impact everything. You know, all the providers of products and services that are out there, they have to rethink, you know, how they're going to sustain themselves. So I think bottom line is if if ever there was a time to execute the integrated digital strategy, and transition to a digital operating model, it's right now. And, you know, maybe another area is when you think of BCP, business continuity planning, I think there's been a real shift in what that mm-hmm. means in the context of the pandemic. I think the old paradigm on BCP is, you know, we have a set of, you know, assumptions around a single event, which could happen that the company will fully recover from, even if it takes time and, and they'll return to a quote normal. And these are the things that, you know, are the things like fire and flood and power outages and weather events, and even terrorist attack. But I think the new paradigm for a lot of companies is continuous change and disruption that is difficult to predict and often results in, quote, a new normal, which is the phrase that we've all been using recently. I don't think anybody saw the pandemic coming. I mean, there's Netflix with their pandemic series, which was filmed in 2019. FEMA had a big white paper out in July of 2019 that pretty much laid it out exactly as it happened. And obviously the community that kind of was most plugged in are the virologists. There was a big paper in October 2007 that that really laid out the whole pandemic, uh, but it was a scientific journal. So most people, you know, didn't pick up on that. So I think the new BCP paradigm has caused companies to start thinking about building a resilient workforce. And that's whether it's a human workforce or a digital workforce. And basically the purpose is so that you could pivot regardless of the disruption that comes up. Mm, makes a lot of sense. So, Pete, let me turn it over to you. What, why is transformation so hard for many companies? Well, I think um, transformation 
in general is hard because you're you're trying to change the form of what you're what you're doing, whether it's your business model, whether it's your org structure, whether it's your cost structure, and and transformation has traditionally meant um, you know reduction in costs, right? Transformation firms like ours have traditionally been involved in in cost and organizational uh, restructuring. So, but the challenge today with the transformation imperative imperative is that the approaches that most companies are taking are still fragmented. Um, you know, and, and often they miss the big picture. So if you think about what we've just been talking about, digital transformation, right? That's typically led by a chief marketing officer, maybe a CIO or a digital officer that reports to both of them. And it's often focused on, or it's usually focused on improving the customer experience, uh, voice the customer and, and that experience and reducing friction in the value chain. But it, it often misses uh, true ROI and uh, kind of value propositions from a uh, from a pure financial perspective. Then, when your company's focused on a technology transformation, um, which which often is the underlying enabling elements of a digital transformation, they're typically focused on reducing technology debt, adopting cloud technologies, migrating platforms over to the cloud, uh, transitioning to everything as a service, infrastructure, platform, uh, software and laying down the infrastructure to support business initiatives. Uh, but again, um, not necessarily focused on the user experience or, or necessarily uh, the organizational capabilities or the cost side of it. And then the traditional cost transformations that, that we have done in the past um, that, that, are, that are, are still out there by, by, and being done by a number of companies are really focused at looking at spans and layers, right? Organizational transformation. Can I take heads out of the equation? Um, right. Benchmarking those financial performance metrics against peers and ultimately looking at the impact of labor and non-labor categories. Non-labor is typically your spend of your, of your third parties. Uh, labor is typically looking at labor arbitrage, outsourcing uh, those functions or potentially leveraging digital workers. So all of these tend to be though discrete and in a box. So they're led by a specific functional executive, CFO on the cost transformation, IT leader in technology, marketing typically or revenue on the digital transformation. Um, but they really, they're, they're really uh, so many interdependencies. If you're going to do transformation right, you need to be looking at the customer value proposition, reducing friction, transforming your technology stack, and looking at the cost and organizational capabilities that you need in order to really, um, you know, enable that. And one of the things that we're talking about today that's at the forefront of this is how do I leverage intelligent automation uh, in that equation, right? How do I leverage intelligent automation to help uh, provide greater resiliency and and eliminate um, some of the components of my organization that might be at risk uh, in in the event of a disaster or some other scenario. So the other important piece of this, and Art touched on this earlier, is the cultural journey, right? The cultural transformation that needs to take place. You know, change is scary enough when you when you understand what's happening um, in terms of knowing, okay, we're we're trying to cut costs or we're trying to reduce headcount. But when you're when you're looking at this and and looking at the fact that this I could be replaced by some automation or or some process or maybe my business model is changing, those are typically um, you know really scary to organizations. So understanding and the the change elements and the change journey that the organization is going to have to pay, take, both from the people standpoint as well as from a cultural standpoint. 
um, has to be has to be there in order for there to be lasting change on the other side of the transformation. So, organizations and the their employees need to feel empowered and engaged, um, and organizations need to understand uh, the types of skills that they need, and 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 their employees need to understand the types of roles and skills that are going to be required in this new organization. So, um, and intelligent automation helps them work with existing employees and work around them as well. So I can get more out of my existing employees with intelligent automation than um, without it. Mm, gotcha. So Pete mentioned that many companies um, with regard to transformation, they're missing the big picture. Art, what is the big picture that some companies are missing? Could you touch on that? Yeah, I mean, to me, the big picture is you know, in transformation specifically is that all companies, and there are very few exceptions, but all companies need to transform their, quote, business operating model to a digital operating model. And and so what does that mean, right? So what it means is that everything that a company does has to be digital first. And we've heard that phrase, digital first, cloud first, et cetera. But this includes everything from product development and management to sales and marketing to customer service, business ops, G&A functions. They all need to lead with digital. And digital isn't an afterthought. It isn't a bolt-on to your business's usual approach. It is truly a transformational uh, capability. It's really the DNA, if you will, of the company. Um, it's the way they plan. It's the way they think. And it's really, most importantly, the way they invest in, in initiatives. Um, so, you know, to get there to, to that sort of digital nirvana, I think there's probably four core capabilities or four core areas that companies need to master. And the first one is certainly customer experience. And that is, you know, number one by far. The second is data in, in all its forms. Uh, to me, intelligent automation, surprise, is a huge component of transitioning to a digital operating model. And the last piece we've touched upon, but it's the human capital and, and talent management component of it. So I, I'm just going to explain each of these in a little bit more detail briefly. Okay. But customer experience, you know, it's driving revenue, it's driving loyalty to, to your products, to your company, to your brand. Uh, it could certainly lead to cheap word of mouth marketing. Uh, in many ways, if you think about it, customer experience is the reason why a company exists, right? To thrill their customer beyond their wildest imagination to the point where they tell all their friends and they keep coming back again and again. And this concept isn't just a, a business to consumer concept. This is very much also a business to business concept as well. When we talk about data, you know, data is at the root of all digital enablers, and that includes everything from artificial intelligence to machine learning to automation and obviously very specifically customer insights. Some companies have been kicking the data can down the road for years, and I think, uh, you know, th there's a reason for that. And, but now they're facing this daunting effort to sort of catch up. And in some cases, you know, that lack of high-quality data is literally what's holding companies back from achieving, you know, true transformational objectives. Because, frankly, the effort to fix that data that they've been, you know, ignoring for years or decades is now so expensive to do that the transformation business case is untenable. You know, the third area I mentioned, intelligent automation, it's really the single biggest enabler that you have 
for creating human capacity that you're going to need for the company-wide transformation. You know, I mentioned earlier that companies are running so lean, they can't do both operate and change. So you need to start with, you know, leveraging some bots to do some of the low value work. You're going to release some human hours there, some human capacity, and use those people selectively to help push the other transformational initiatives forward. Now you have more hands and feet, if you will, to get things done. Um, later on, as your automation maturity gets higher and higher, you can now start transitioning or tackling bigger, more complex transactions. And those transactions are the ones that are going to really impact your customer experience and have a, a more positive impact on revenue, which obviously further creates value for the company. Um, you know, AI, let's not forget some of the sort of table stakes benefits that you get also. You're going to get things done much quicker. Often there's going to be very, very few of any errors, and it's going to be remarkably consistent from one transaction to the next. And it's, of course, fully documented. You're going to have, you know, automated processes that are documented, you know, way beyond what you've ever been able to do in the past. And then the last part I mentioned was human capital and talent uh, aspect of transformation. And, you know, the nature of transformation is you want to do things differently to get better outcomes, as I mentioned earlier. If you haven't been able to get traction on doing things differently, that probably implies that perhaps your employees may not have the skills to sustain the transformation. So you need to think about talent, I think, in, a, in three different ways. And the, the first way is, who do I have now that is ready to embrace this change, that is ready to bring us through the digital transformation and lead us? Who are the high potentials out there that maybe need to be brought to the forefront that, you know, they could have the talent, the energy, and they're motivated to help us go through this. The second area is, who do I need to hire? You know, you're going to need specialized skills. You're going to need specific experience. And, and you're going to need change agents. And to the degree that you can get folks who've been through it at other companies, they have a bunch of experiences and lessons learned that are going to be extremely valuable to your organization in terms of going through the, the journey. And then, of course, you got to look at your third parties, right? You got to enlist third parties in certain areas uh, that they have expertise in, and they could be real, you know, accelerators and catalysts of what you want to get done. And, you know, as far as everybody else, I think people are going to self select over time. When a company goes through a major transformation like that, they're either going to get it, they're going to join you on the transformation journey, or they're going to ultimately exit. And that's just the nature of, of change, and we have to accept that. Really good points there, Art. Thank you for that. So, Pete, what should companies do now to accelerate their transformation plans? Wow, um, that's a that's a loaded question. So, I think um, the pandemic that we're going through. Um, I I've talked to so many CFOs and CIOs that said I've done more. I've gone through more change in the last 60 days than I have in the last five years. So I think mm. that, um, you know, the old rules for for your sense of urgency and, and timing around making transformational investments and the and the time that you have to make decisions and measure that progress needs to be revised. Um, you know, first and foremost, most companies were slow, slow walking the effort, whether it's was going to an online presence and providing delivery or um you know, enabling their partners to access their systems for ordering purposes, whatever it may be, 
they, typically they were slow walking the effort because they needed an ROI at every step along the way. Certainly when we talk to um, technology leaders, when Art and I go in and ask them, you know, what are you doing on the automation front? They're like, oh, we're doing a lot on the automation front. When you delve into it, you know, they've, they've been doing some experimenting under one process with one set of bots to deliver some kind of initial uh, ROI. And, and they're not looking at it um, broader than that. And unfortunately, what this pandemic's done is shown us that you need to be looking at, um, you know, they, you can't look at an ROI at each incremental step. You need to be thinking about the, the bigger picture, as Art mentioned, um, and, and understanding what putting an automation platform could be and, you know, what it can do to an organization in terms of the broader uh, return on investment, not just on a single process or step-by-step -step basis. So as I mentioned earlier, there's some uh, foundational investments and capabilities need to be implemented. Um, and they may not have an immediate ROI, right? But they're critical enabling it. Those are the platform type choices that you make. And the sooner you establish those kind of foundational elements and components of digital transformation, the faster you can transition, you know, to a new operating model. Uh, and, and I'm talking about, you know, intelligent automation within the building. I'm talking about a better digital presence and, and a more customer centric, whether it's B2B or B2C, um, you know, customer centric focus um, on your on your experience, right? I'm talking about getting those intelligent automation capabilities in place, um, dealing with the data quality issues that we find at every company, right? Because now that the data is expanding uh, exponentially, the lack of uh, of data quality and data governance in many organizations is causing is causing real integration issues, right? And then also learning how to exploit those assets. So. Um, first thing you got to do is get a harness on your data. Once you get a harness on your data and you and you understand where it's coming from and 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 where the where the quality issues are and you address them, then you can truly take advantage of exploiting them um, and making difficult either business decisions or presenting information to customers in, in a unique way, right? Um, and also you can start measuring what the value is in in your systems and stop investing in legacy systems that draw people and funding away from strategic efforts. Most of the time, these digital efforts are kind of bootstrapped on the backs of, of large ERP and other systems that are really taking the majority of that funding away. So that's that's the first, the first point there is companies should really be measuring, looking at how they make decisions and, and, and revising, revising that to have a greater sense of urgency. Mm -hmm. Second thing, is that transformation, true transformation has to be led from the top. So the C-suite has to be actively engaged and, and leading uh, CEO, CMO, CIO. Um, you know, the, the successful ones that I've been a part of have a CIO, a CFO, and a, and a, and a chief marketing officer all walking hand in hand into the CEO and the board's um, offices and making the case as to why change needs to be made typically over a three to five year time horizon with what those significant investments are going to be and long-term what the, what the returns are going to be. So has to be actively engaged and leading. Um, companies also need to establish a transformation mandate kind of at the layers below that, right? That defines, here's the top-down strategy, here are the guiding principles and the objectives, and they need um, strong execution leaders um, either that they hire externally that have done transformational efforts or where they may be able to, as Art mentioned earlier, you may be able to uh, promote from within, um, but someone that's got strong execution capabilities 
um, who will make the difficult decisions and kind of challenge that status quo. I, I think about some of the most successful ones that I've been involved in. They have brought leaders in from other industries, right? If you're in healthcare and you want to be customer centric, that you're not going to get other healthcare organizations. You're not going to get people from other healthcare organizations. They're going to teach you about that. You have to get them from financial services. If you're trying to target and understand a true customer experience in terms of revenue generation, and you're not a retailer, you're going to look at what the what the best retailers are doing around presenting information to customers and causing them to make make choices that generate more revenue. Uh, and more margin for the company, right? So those are so it has to be led from the top, and the talent that you get um, on the uh, the next point, which is around talent transformation, to acquire those skills, you're not necessarily going to get from within your industry. You may have to look externally, especially mm -hmm. at the leadership level. Um, if if you're not in an industry where there's a lot of digital first companies, then you're going to need to go to an industry that has leaders in that in that arena. I think about the companies and the industries that have led transformational digital transformation journeys like financial services like retail right as examples um like technology as another one so um you also have to be looking at identifying and elevating high potential employees um and not be afraid to hire new talent right um not as an incremental but potentially as a swap out for some some of your existing folks um i also think that intelligent automation gives us the opportunity to um, with attended automation um, and with hybrid automation where you can take existing employees, you can take away mundane things that may be error prone, that may take a lot of their time away from them, give them to bots and then retrain them on doing higher value added things where you can get more transactions, more exceptions, whatever it may be out of the employees that you have in the building. So your, so your talent strategy has to incorporate bringing folks in from other industries that that have transformational capability, um, looking at the talent within the company that you might be able to promote from within, and also providing training um, and a support community to enable some of your existing employees to make that journey as well with things like uh, automation uh, backing them, right? So, and then I guess the last thought I would leave you with, um, you know, is in hindsight, you know, looking back uh, four, five, six months, the revenue loss that many companies faced as a result of this pandemic shutdown would have easily justified the, the you know, accelerating their digital transformation. I can't tell you um, the number of CEOs and CFOs that I've talked to said, gosh, if I knew then what I know now, I would have absolutely green lighted that, um, uh, you know, uh, buy online, pick up in store or, um, you know, virtualization of your shopping experience or whatever it may be. Uh, that, that that are technologies that are available that some leading companies are using, but most companies are not in terms of, um, you know, trying to uh, reach uh, consumers in a way that um, they would have never thought they would need to six months earlier. So um, certainly um, that has has um, the results of the pandemic shutdown um, have caused a lot of folks uh, at those leadership levels to just look at their business case and their investments. Um, you know, most companies didn't know it was coming as, as Art said earlier, Netflix and, and a couple of, um, of doctors did, right? But um, most folks did not. Um, but I think that there's still time to change. What, I, what I've been uh, encouraged by in talking to some transformational leaders uh, just even the last few weeks is 
transformational imperatives that we helped lay out for them earlier in the year or late last year, I went back to them and said, how are you doing on those? And they said, Pete, we're already, we've already far exceeded those because our organization, our executives looked at it and there's never been a time where they, where they were willing to take a chance and kind of, um, uh, you know, make some investments where they thought, gosh, we have nothing to lose. We have to make these investments now. Time is of the essence. And so um, I will say that I'm certainly encouraged by the sense of urgency and the willingness to change that I'm seeing in the executives at our clients that I'm talking to now, um, that I think that they're operating with a higher sense of urgency um, and a higher degree of flexibility. Um, and, um, you know, I think that that's, that's hopefully going to continue to sustain once we're over this pandemic, I hope that the, that 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 courage um, and that transformational mindset will 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 you know carry on well beyond the pandemic. So, mm, totally agree. Well, Art and Pete, we have come to the end of our conversation. I want to thank you guys very much for taking time to share your point of view on the transformation imperative. Certainly, a very very important topic. So, I appreciate your insights. Uh, please be well and stay safe. Thanks, thank you, Brad. Same to you. You've been listening to Generation Digital Workforce. If you want to hear more about RPA, AI, and other cognitive technologies that are shaping the future of work, join us next time as we continue to go deeper on these topics with industry innovators and experts. To make sure you never miss a future episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. And if you've liked what you heard today, please leave us a review. It's one of the best ways to help more people find valuable content. For show notes and more info, visit us at blueprism.com slash podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.